This is the one with hallucinogenic lipstick. Clerics in camouflage. Mr. Grumpy Face. Amaze Ball. And Ex-Con River Song. It's called The Time of Angels. Here we go. We're still on our rentless voyage. All through time and all through space. With Sabine and Angels now. Dalek, Silas, Uden, wow. Tenant Smith and Eccleston. And Capaldi, he's the man. Doctor Who is cool again. That was Russell's master plan. Who back when? Reviewing all new who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna, Amy Pond, Rory, Martha and beyond. Join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be but who back when? Who back when? Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode N064 of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. If you love numbers, there are plenty more to come. Or dog past. Ah, <laughs> 65, 66. I know, they're all coming up. Today we are having a chit chatteroon about the time of angels. Ooh. Yes, part one of a double feature. We are only discussing part one. I've only seen part one. Uh, that was going to be my first question for you. Ever. Ever? Ever? Ever. I'd never seen this episode. I oh. have not seen next week's. I am in suspense. Don't spoil. Don't I... give me any spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I shall try not to. I've watched the next one. Not the one after that, but I have seen the next no, one. No, not the legendary number 66. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. Which is a good one, I think. In fact, we were talking about Venice before. 66 is set in Venice. Is it? Yes. Oh, well, anyway, we're on number 64 tonight. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's get back to this one. Uh, the Time of Angels. It is the return of the Weeping Angels. It is the return of River Song. It is the return of all of Moffat's moftiest tropes. Oh, don't you just love them, though? Yeah, it's, it's nice to revisit them about once a series. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's pretty good. Right. Shall we uh, do a little bite-sized chunk of who? Let's. Time for us to synopsize, verify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview. This free-for-all we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. In the coolest cold open since Sean Connery unzipped his wetsuit to reveal pristine evening wear underneath, River Song sends Doc a pick-me-up through time, and thus their paths cross again. In the hold of a recently crashed spaceship, there rests a terrifying life form that can never die. Under the command of Father Octavian, and ably assisted by Christian, Angelo, and Bob, <laughs> Doc, River, and Amy must now venture into the dark and scary catacombs of the extinct Atlan civilization, with statues aplenty, before the marble menace gets too juiced up on warp drive radiation or something like that. Beast cow over. You are welcome. Aren't you just... All right, so that really clears stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> and now the episode makes perfect sense. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, so I've, I've already got a question for you, but... Uh, Too many questions. <laughs> <laughs> Please, feel free to start this one off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just wanted to break hair on my Harrison Ford. <laughs> you go ahead. Okay, so the angel can never die. Apparently. Why send in a whole bunch of heavily armed soldiers? Mm, who shoot liberally at the statues. And who are there to kill it, I believe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think perhaps we have already exposed one of these episodes fairly few weak points, which yeah. is that sometimes Moffat's rhetoric gets the better of himself. Yeah. And I can't 
you know, I can't reconcile those two things. Just like I can't reconcile the doctor saying this is the most malevolent life form, the, the deadliest thing that has ever evolved. Yeah, I'm, I'm a master, dude. Yeah, exactly. I am not on board with that kind of hyperbole. We've had half a century of the Doctor encountering various life forms uh, across the universe. Is this really... What, these are the worst ones? There's nothing worse to come either? Like, no. Yeah, this is just empty Doc marketing spiel. He'll be saying the same thing next week about yeah, exactly. know, the return of the Absorbal off or something. When there's a new alien that you can buy in, you know, Forbidden Planet. Yeah, when they run out of colours to market Daleks in and <laughs> <laughs> exactly. to go back to the Plasticine Workshop. Yeah. <laughs> What can we make that's sort of blob-shaped and requires as little, you know, input as possible? We, we just give people a ball, and it's like, <laughs> this is a nasty alien ball. Or they could market the gravity globe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Simple. Absolutely. My mind went to the, what were the spherical Daleks called in, I want to say, The Chase. <laughs> uh, spherical Daleks? Yeah, they had, I mean, it was an attempt at the time, like, back in the day when it was like, oh... We really do not want to pay more royalties. We are the BBC. We don't want to pay more royalties for using the Daleks that people associate with us, except we don't own them. Terry Nation does. Uh, let's invent some new robots. And in, I think it was The Chase, in the final episode of The Chase, or the final two episodes of The Chase, they, had, they, they made an attempt to replace the Daleks with something else. And you actually have the Daleks facing off with these other ones. And they're just like, they're like Daleks, except they're spheres. They fire at each other. They're, like, virtually equally strong. <laughs> okay, and then what? They had a 1960s focus group, and they said, we'd like you to keep paying Terry Nation billions, please. I guess so, yeah. And also, it was really difficult to record with the... I can't remember what they were called now, but the, the sphere, Spherons? No, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't, I, I <laughs> the Roundels? I genuinely can't remember, but it was really difficult to record with them because they literally would not fit through doorways. <laughs> and so you were, they were constricted to having them in one, like in a very limited set, you know, in one room. You could, they couldn't travel from one room to another. Oh, so hobbits are fucked, but everyone else is fine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Okay, back to Time of Angels. We've already mentioned the, the cold open in, the, in our cold open. Yeah. What did you think of the cold open, dude? My initial note. Yeah. I will read it out pretty much in full. Oh, let's hear it. I know, lean back. I know it's five minutes long, so other cold opens have perhaps had a more immediate, stunning impact. They like a sharp blow to the head and you're left senseless with the anticipation for what's to come after the credits roll, but surely this is a jewel. This is one of the best oh, we've it's... seen in New Who. It's the opening ten pages to a magnificent comic. It's the first chapter of a novel that has you screaming with delight in Oxfam when you pick it up. Not that anyone would ever give it away. <laughs> I was or scream in Oxfam. Yeah. I was <laughs> enchanted by this opening. It's so good, right? And I, <laughs> I don't know if it's me remembering this cold open or if this is some thematically something that occurs again with River Song in particular. But do you remember? I was going to ask you: Do you remember if at any other point in her timeline, River Song will manipulate or vandalize some historical object in order to get a message across time and space to the Doctor? I don't, but that's only because I've seen, I'm coming to realise, remarkably little of her arc. Ooh. Yeah. 
Even though I wrote an essay referencing <laughs> it, but whatever, <laughs> whatever, we'll move on. So yeah, I can't give you any information there. Okay. But it was super, it's super cool. It was so it was one good. step ahead of you with every new shot. Yeah. You were scrambling to catch up, and so you were just kept in this beautiful state of flow all the way through that cold open. You couldn't get on top of it. Moffat was, you know, he was dancing ahead of you every time. It was, yeah, he it was. was. Great. Oh, no, it's beautiful. Even just that, like that very subtle, oh, let's just see what's going on over here. Time cut. 12,000 years later. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's wonderful. I mean, lesser cold opens would have had the soldier spinning around in the field, and that would have been where the episode was. Yeah. But 10 seconds later, you're already so far beyond him. Unlike poor Bob. <laughs> <laughs> poor Bob, yes. Oh, okay, so we had... Yeah, I thought there was another one, but there wasn't. We have Christian, we have Angelo, and then we have Bob. But we have Christian and we have Angelo. Yeah. Like, were, were Jesus and Crucificus taken? Like, were they <laughs> off duty that weekend? <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised, I'm surprised one of them wasn't called Dog. <laughs> you know, just to be like, well, yes, we have this scriptural tradition that we've completely sullied and bastardized and adulterated and yes we are all idiots aren't we <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little surprised that they didn't do more with the character of angelo as in sorry that the character named angelo in an episode about angels didn't play a different part you know in the in the long-standing tradition not only of doctor who but also of doctor who, and we pointed it out on numerous occasions on who back when that certain characters in certain places they tend to be named according to their role in the in the storyline solomon for instance there you go yeah perfect example so in this one we have an angel-based an angel-centric story we have a character called angel kind of feel like did you not name this character angel because he plays a different part is he not of greater significance but yeah. no and he never makes the connection no no he, he doesn't like, I'm, I'm right at home amongst these guys <laughs> yeah exactly this is rife with humorous opportunity angelo <laughs> get, get on the fucking ball that yeah. whole side it's not even a side plot but it sort of is because it's, it's sort of episode downtime it is necessary but where which the, one what where the Christian and Angelo yeah. are... <laughs> where, the, where Father Octavian says, you two should isolate yourselves and go off into the darkest part of the maze and expose yourself to extreme peril, and I'm sure that will work out for everyone. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, I was just envisioning them exposing themselves. Oh, right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, but it's, it's, the, it's like the ultimate cannon fodder scene. Oh, very much so. Oh, and by the way, Bob, here, wear this red shirt while you're at it. Exactly! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, the only way it could have been more cannon foddery would have been if one of them had said, I can't believe this. My two brothers, they've already died doing this, but, but I've prayed, so I'm going to be all right in this one. Yeah, it's going to be different. Yeah. This is my last mission before I retire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's a picture of my wife. Angelina. <laughs> she, just, she just had our first child. I can't believe it, guys. I'm a dad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Little Angelillo. I can't wait to see him again. <laughs> Daddy's coming home, son. Don't you worry. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Oh. Yeah. I mean, they, they could have. They could have really ham-fisted the heck out of them. But, but yeah, <laughs> regardless. And you know what? I mean, <laughs> cannon fodder. As, as the white guy atop Privilege Mountain. Yeah. How's the air up there? Pretty thin, eh? It, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, moving on. It's, you know, I, I can't claim any solid, I can claim human solidarity with people. I couldn't help but notice that both these guys were black. 
and they were the disposable characters in the episode. Right? Christian and Angelo both were black. Holy smokes. You know what? I don't see the world through that lens. I did not notice that. Then I they... noticed that one of them was, right? Wait. No, they weren't. Have I got this wrong? I don't know. But Well, either that or I'm just like the least observant viewer ever. It was pretty dark in that cave. I don't, I, I don't remember. I didn't really make a note of it. Bob wasn't. I know Bob No, wasn't. Bob, was, Bob was white. And, yeah. and guess what? He got to carry on talking after death because <laughs> white privilege. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. <laughs> you yeah. probably are right. I just didn't notice. Yeah, it's just, why <laughs> just do that? Yeah, that's not cool. What the hell, BBC? I thought you graduated from this nonsense in the seventies. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> Give us a point. Okay, Bishop Octavian. Yep, Father Octavian. Okay, Bishop or Father? First of all, I think he's technically ranked as a bishop, but he goes around as Father. Okay, because you know he's he's got the common touch, right? Oh, okay, well, that's pretty But good. not that co- sort of bishop's common touch. It's, it's fine. In the 51st <laughs> century, we've left this long behind us. Yeah, okay. He is played by What's-His-Chops, who's uh, Sir Jorah Mormont in Game of Thrones. Uh, and I looked him up because I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's Jorah Mormont. Um, he's also, he's had a, an illustrious career, let me tell you. Let um, me have it. <laughs> he, was, he was in MI5, which I've never seen, but which I hear is a, or was a good show. What is MI5? Uh, I want to say it's what it was either. A, I think it was a spin-off of Spooks, or Spooks was a spin-off of it. Mm-hmm. I think so. I'm not sure. That may be completely wrong. <laughs> in addition to all of this, he also has a recurring part in the Resident Evil franchise, so you know he is quality. Oh wow! And presumably he he knows how to handle a gun. Yeah. He's actually super badass in Game of Thrones. Anyway, I was going to ask you a different question. It, as a man of faith, yes. How do you feel about the representation of the church in the 51st century? I don't feel that bad about it. I know Father Octavian at one point says, quite love events taken, but... Uh, which is, I think, uh, an alien reference, or an alien reference. It? Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. Mm, yeah. Um, but that was the only point that I was like, why? And now I know why. Otherwise, it was just Moffat's standard death by a thousand cuts. You know, death to organised religion by a thousand cuts. Here we are, obviously in a cathedral, and the doctor's <laughs> running yeah, through oh, it, shouting, right. wrong, wrong, that's wrong, that's right, mostly wrong. And even this other religion, this civilization that has since gone extinct, whatever they were called, the Aplans, yeah. even their church was wrong about stuff, according to the doctor, uh, because the Ooh. church outlawed self-marriage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's really like, oh, well, you know what? It, let's just, it, let's really hammer home that religion is maybe not the be-all and end-all. Yeah, I mean, th- there are times when Moffat will do this much worse. I, I thought that if you're looking for it, you'll find it. If, if you know, otherwise you might just think, that's a bit on the nose. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, I wasn't too bothered. Mm. I mean, this will become a, a regular feature, I, I assume. Over the, the first half of Moffat's run, maybe the first series of Capaldi. I don't remember. I remember there being a different church. Maybe it's a continu- the continued evolution of the same church. But I do remember there being... Oh, at, I mean, you've seen the, the Smith finale, right? Yeah. Yeah, isn't there a massive church that shows up? The ones that have the silence... Yes. Or that work with the silence to some degree. And, um, you know... Is that the thema- same church? Thematically, I can't remember anything about that one. <laughs> okay. And even as the silence arc was sort of drifting in and out of, of Doctor Who in the background, I, I was forgetting it even then. That's the thing. It's bizarre. It's just I, the effect that has on you. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's just life imitating art being really meta, but 
I could never get a handle on the silence. I'm actually looking forward to following that plot line from beginning to end and making some sense of it. Yeah, I, I look forward to them as well. The only thing that I can remember about the silence really is that I remember thinking, why are they wearing suits? Oh, yeah. Like, why, why would you have... They're bloody aliens. They're like huge-headed alien dudes. Why are, you, why are they dressed like men in black? Like well, wouldn't, if, you, if you had that head, would you not try and distract people's attention from it? Yeah, but to some degree. What, with like just black suits, white shirts, black it's ties. It's neat. It's, At the very least, like make it charcoal or like go go like full distraction, horizontal lines. Yeah, because because <laughs> men in charcoal, that's that's really you know, catchy. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't understand why they're wearing ties. Anyway, okay, enough about them. The only other thing that <laughs> the only other point at which I was needled slightly okay. by you know Moffat sticking all these things into my haystack of organized religion. Yeah was when Father Octavian delivered the line, and you may want to soundbite it. Okay. Well, I guess this makes it a bit trickier. <laughs> a bit, yeah. A stone angel on the loose among stone statues. A lot harder than I prayed for. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Um, I, I can't remember. It's probably 20 minutes in or something. Uh, I do sort of remember that. Yeah, it's just after they've entered the cave, and the subtext essentially is, I suppose my prayers were all useless and I should just give up. To me, that's what it screamed out to me. Oh, <laughs> interesting. I, I prayed for it to be different, and it isn't, so prayer is obviously useless. <laughs> <laughs> I, d- I didn't read that much into the it. The slightest but... logical leap will, ele- will let you conclude that God is dead. <laughs> <laughs> but apart from that, let's move on, let's move on. Okay, well, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I definitely did not read that much into it, but I do take your point. Okay. Would you also really like to see an episode about clerics chasing lava snakes? I would. It, that sounds incredibly exciting. <laughs> but do you know what? Do you know what? No. Well, As maybe. I know lots I of stuff. I have a different note about this exact thing, where they're oh. referring to something more fun that happened off screen, because Tennant was awful for listing oh. all the marvellous adventures we'd never got to see. Yeah. And you just thought, well, why are we seeing this one then, Tennant? So what <laughs> Moffat's done here is he's displaced it slightly, so you still get that little peaking of your imagination. Yeah. But you don't have to feel disappointed or cheated that you didn't get to see it because it's part of the universe the doctor just didn't happen to be involved you are seeing what you should be seeing on any given saturday night so i thought that was a clever move on his part interesting does the fact that this is a really good episode also maybe help yes possibly because at no point was i wishing that i was watching a different one exactly Hmm. okay all right good check (laughs) (laughs) um the other thing i didn't like about the biggest museum ever I mean, in the Hermitage in Russia, and I've never been, but don't they have, like, enough rooms that it would take you pretty much a year to get around? And in this opening shot, I mean, this is the cold We only get to see one one hall. Well, yes, and I suppose there could be more halls, but it seems so so obviously like that was all it was, and there were only, like, exhibits going even halfway down. It seemed quite limited. I mean, Moffat's last episode, where he's taking all his themes from and reusing them here, we saw that gigantic library, and we got a real sense of just how unimaginably vast it was. And now, that's the biggest library in the universe. This is supposed to be the biggest museum in the universe. Nothing like the same impact. Yeah, but do you think... we? Okay, well, we never get this... Because we never pull back and see the whole planet, but what's to say that this isn't a planet's sized museum yeah there's there's I mean, actually, it might be there's actually nothing disconfirming that but i got no sense of epic scale it's, it's like the doctor saying the angel is the most malevolent being in the whole universe and and he's just in a room like 
Like, we're recording in the biggest recording studio on the planet podcast land. <laughs> we are. Yeah. Yeah. But we're not, because your front room is 10 by 10, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, know. you know, it's, there's like that little to back it up. Yes. Yes, that is true. All right, so how do we rewrite this? Because there are, we're going to run into trouble regardless. If it's the biggest museum ever, and it actually ends up being the biggest museum, as in if we do zoom out and it's the size of a planet, the odds of the Doctor actually encountering that one homing box, fairly slim, and thus River Song may never be rescued. That's true, I hadn't thought of that. If it's a tiny little museum, you know, an insignificant museum, then the odds of the Doctor ever visiting it fairly slim. So either way, it seems like a massive ex machina. Yeah. So just don't call it the biggest museum ever. Say maybe it's the most easily surveyable, but most fascinating private collection housed in any one hall. Yeah, yeah. This side of the Milky Way. Give it some other special distinction or significance that isn't based on its size. That's all you need to do. Oh, no. Story of my life. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. As, as in the curator, he uses what he's got really well. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's on an asteroid. How do you get the biggest museum ever on an asteroid? Wait, it's on an asteroid? That's what he said, the Delirium Archive, on an asteroid. Oh. None of this checks out. It's definitely not the biggest museum. No. It's 100% not the biggest museum. We went to the Space Museum with William Hartnell's first Doctor. Really? Yeah. Space Museum was awesome. The Space Museum. The Space Museum. <laughs> <laughs> it was in a serial called, guess what? The Museum in Space. No, the Space Museum. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I overthought that. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and that museum was like ten times bigger than this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It was clearly a more impressive collection. And, and, and you know, they've... <laughs> they had a Dalek. The other thing is, they've moved 20 feet down the same hall from the TARDIS. I mean, if it's the biggest museum ever, have the people chase them round corner after corner, and Amy be like, we've been here for three days already, Doctor, I want my porridge. <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> I want my tea. <laughs> what is her fascination with being on a planet? On a planet, a planet, yeah, a planet. Exactly like, like <laughs> I've, I've read the International Astronomical Union definition, and an asteroid differs from a planet it's in not, several important respects. <laughs> it's not a planet. I can't do the accent. Neither can I. <laughs> no, it's so much better than mine. Oh, it's so much better than mine. I apologise to all our Scottish It's so much better than mine. I can't. It's so much. Hey, boy, it's so much. I can't do it. I really cannot do it. <laughs> well, that's fine. I mean, you've got that giggle. You got that giggle. That's what people tune in for. <laughs> Well, there's more where that came from. So anyway, I, okay, I'm going to stop shitting on this episode for a while. Okay, oh, excellent. Because there is so much good stuff in this there's episode. tons of good stuff in this one. Yeah. Okay, here's something that I, I really want to discuss this. Okay. I want to talk about how angels reproduce. Right. So, first off, if they want to, if they're going to, you know, do the, the good old-fashioned, maybe angels definitely do it missionary style, I don't know. Like the, the <laughs> oh, oh, that has to be a joke in part two, come on. Uh, the, if they bump uglies, then they just close their eyes and, because they can't look at each other, obviously, and... Uh, well, they'd become the image of the other. They'd just endlessly be swapping, wouldn't they? Wait, no. Would they not? No, they just, I mean, if they look at each other, then you end up with the end of Blink, where you have angels facing each other and they're just stunned. Oh, that's true, that's true. So, so if, if they're actually having sex, if, an, if weeping angels, if there is such a thing as weeping angel intercourse, then they must always close their eyes. 
Hence, I don't think that's what they do. In this one, what they're saying is they... Because I was expecting, like, wait, hang on, is this a mistake or something? Like, why are they not sending people back in time? Why aren't Angelo, Christian, and Bob being sent back 50 years, 100 years to whatever? Yeah, what's all this neck-snapping stuff? Exactly. But then they say, well, they've extracted their cerebral cortex, and they're using their bodies. They've taken over their bodies. And it seems as though angels can make other angels, right? That's what's happening here, I think. I, you know, I have no idea how the remnants of Bob's consciousness relate to the angel that's hijacked it. I don't know if it's... Doesn't he say something like, they use my body to create, to make me an angel, to create one new... Oh, fuck, no, no, because, because the doctor asked Bob, where are you, i.e. the angel now? And that's how he establishes that the, the angel is not on the Byzantium. The angel and Bob at this point are a single entity. Okay. As far as I can make out, it is very much not revealed in this first half. So are they taking over the consciousness just to have a voice, just to be able to communicate with them? Yeah, I think it's pretty much a Vashta Narada situation. Okay. But without the spacesuit. Oh, speaking of, did you see the spacesuit? In the, like, the container room with the screen where we get to see the TV version of the angel, there's that, that spacesuit, I guess River Song's suit, ah. is, uh, is hanging off the wall. Well, the helmet is anyway. Cool. Screenshot on whobackwhen.com. Yeah, I can say that because I've already taken the screenshot. Ka-ching. Nice. I'm not going to question you. <laughs> uh, what else I want to say? Oh, well, okay. So about the whole reproduction thing, though. Wait, okay. They just do it in the dark. That's it? Yeah. Because in the dark, they can all move even though they are all inhabiting the same cavernous hall. As soon as their ocular you know, facility is occluded, they're free to do whatever they like which includes Bumping Ugly. In fact, I'm surprised that when they switch the torch back on, they're not all going at it, like, instantly. Like, let's, let's get a quick one in and then terrorize them. I'm feeling my first pulse of energy in 400 years, and now you're going to be feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. But wait, hang on, wait, wait. One more thing about the reproduction thing. Okay. Could they not just take pictures of each other? Uh, the picture what, of an angel... What, what, for later? For later? Didn't even know her. <laughs> the, the, no, the, the whole... Uh, for, for reproductive purposes, you want to build an army of angels. The image of an angel is in itself an angel. Right, take a picture of an angel, boom. Now you've just created a new angel. Hmm, but how do you take a picture of it? Who's, who's taking the picture of it? Another angel? Yeah, another angel. Like, you're an angel, I'm an angel, I grab a Polaroid... I just close my eyes, point it in your general direction. Activate the flash. Yeah, click, click it, take a picture, and then I open my eyes again, just like toss the Polaroid somewhere. Polaroid has a picture of you. Now a clone of you climbs out of the said Polaroid. Ah, isn't that sort of what happened though? Well, doesn't that sort of happen in this one with the video feed? Yes. Um, it never actually, for want of a better word to follow, actually actualizes. And so, I think, I think they just dodged something that would have been really crap there. Because it's a great it's a great thing to fear the angel coming out of the television all Ringu style and oh holy crap. Oh it's super Ringu. Yeah. But then to actually pull it off and be like, well of course angels can materialise for images. Once once that is once that concept is concrete in your head, it's like, well that's pretty shit, isn't it? <laughs> okay, here's another one. What happens to Amy Pond? She looks into their eyes. Is that a form of turning someone into an angel? They sort of infect her in a way. She thinks she's turning into an angel. Hmm. Maybe, maybe that is how angels are created, yeah. But then how did the first one get evolve? There's oh. so much in the dark, uh, uh, for want of a better phrase, in this episode. I mean, I love that Moffat is taking his big bad from two series ago? I think so, yeah. Okay, only one proper series ago. Yeah. Series and specials <laughs> ago. Yeah. And adding so many more layers to it, because... 
of course, we know nothing about the angels yet, and he can take them in almost any direction. I wonder if maybe, maybe he's trying to take the angels into too many directions, though. Like, are we getting a little bit too much angel lore, which won't really pan out later on? Possibly. I mean, you hope he's planned it. Well, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you can't look into their eyes. I've been doing nothing but look into their eyes since, like, well, every single time that we've encountered them, slash, I've seen them in anything. If I ever see a picture of an angel, yeah, you look at their face. You've drawn an angel. All of a sudden, wait, so hang on, so you can't draw them, you can't look into their eyes, but if you've been looking into their eyes, I've been looking into their eyes, surely Tennant looked into their eyes, surely... Donna, not Donna Noble. Who was it? I can't remember. Sally Sparrow. Sally Sparrow, thank you very much. And whatever, Nightingale. Surely they looked into the angel's eyes. Like, why didn't they turn into stone? Look into his angel eyes. One look and you're paralyzed. <laughs> Etc. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Abba pre-told it. Foretold it. Abba, Abba foretold it. Yes. That's Abba? Oh, Indeed. I should Indeed. Which Abba song? Angel Eyes. <laughs> I don't even know that song. Oh, well. Wow. Mm, yes. All right, then. So, yeah, I mean, okay, if you're going to ground the angels in a perfect verisimilitude, then no, no, of course you're not going to turn to stone from looking at them online, but if you just make a no, child I mean, no, no, think I, that they might... No, no, I don't mean because I've been looking at them online. I mean the fact that one of the natural things when you encounter a new person or a new alien... <laughs> is you look at their face and you look into their eyes, right? Yeah, and now so you've got most... children scared to look at the television while they're looking at the episode. Isn't that good? Yes, that's awesome, and that's exactly what Moffat does. Yeah. Yeah, we discussed this before, but what I mean is, what, only now are people avoiding looking into their eyes? What about all the, like, millions of people who have looked into angels' eyes up until this point? You know, this is like this is creating creating a facet of their persona or of their like an idiosyncrasy of the angels as a species that retroactively cannot be applied because if it did, then they would have long since won. Yes, you know, they would have colonized Earth within weeks. Exactly, days so, even. Exactly. So I take your point. Maybe maybe that's you know throwing too many idiosyncrasies at the angels. And seeing what's going to stick, and then by the next time we encounter them, whenever that is, actually, I suspect we'll find not that many of these characteristics did stick. Yeah. That's only my, my suspicion. I don't remember. And so you over-egg the pudding just a little bit, and then you have to pull back, and that generates inconsistencies. And, bajing, bajing. And suddenly you've written yourself out of any further stories. Bingo bongo. Ah. Uh, ding dong. It's tough creating a big bad. Kablamo. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Regardless, I think he still did a fantastic job. Yeah. Holy smokes. Holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes. How does this compare to you, or is this too early a question to ask, maybe? Or is it too early to ask this question, perhaps? How does this compare to Blink? I think that it's better for having the Doctor in it, even though Carrie Mulligan? Uh, yes. Even though Carrie Mulligan was great. She was. Yeah. And there were a lot of strong supporting actors' roles in that episode. I, I really do like seeing the the Doctor versus the Angels for the first time, with River as well. Yeah. In some ways, it is better. In other ways, I'm going to have to wait until part two to let you know properly, because the thing about Blink is it was such a beautiful little chamber piece. Yeah. And I don't know if this one's going to be as tied up as neatly. Fair enough. And that was one of Blink's major strengths. Okay, yeah, okay. Let's revisit that topic uh, at the end of our part two review. Hopefully with Marie... Yeah. Who's only off tonight because she's got a migraine. Yeah, I hope she feels better. Yeah. Hope you feel better, Marie. Yeah, get well soon, Marie. Yeah, get well soon. Okay. Thanks for listening, Marie. <laughs> <laughs> Send Jim next time. Goodness sake. Yeah. Ugh. We want Jim. 
<laughs> anyway, touched on uh, uh, another returner. Oh. River Song. Yes. Oh, River Song is... She's marvellous. She's Imperatrix uh, of the universe. Yes, Imperatrix Mundi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And H- isn't, Hulse, she, isn't uh, she very yeah. lucky? I mean, you might even say, you know, the Fortuna Imperatrix Mundi. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, she's fantastic. She's a lot ballsier in this episode than she was the last time we saw her, I feel. Like, yes. She's coming to her own as a character. We, She knows that we know who she is, and she knows that we know how cool she is, and Moffat knows all of this stuff, and consequently, she is written... I mean, it's no real coincidence that we compared the cold open to James Bond in Doctor No. I mean, she is so incredibly badass... Yes. She has such a commanding presence on screen, and she basically just needs to... I mean, she has the Doctor wrapped around her finger. It's wonderful. Their interplay is amazing. Yeah, and she is free to be a little bit more badass than the Doctor. You know, she can be a bit more carefree and less responsible because she doesn't have the weight of this television show on her shoulders. And... She exploits that to the full. Yeah, well, more... I mean, the the only restraint on her part is the, the weird level of blackmail on the part of the bishop. Yes, who seems to know her very well, even though they've gone halfway across the galaxy to where this ship was going to... I guess she's yeah. just a galaxy-wide famous fugitive at this point. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I Okay, so, the question. Yes. Does... It, uh, Oh, I've seen part two, so I don't. I don't want to ask too many questions of you. But but he says something. I literally just rewatched part one, so I know that this happens in part one. He says something like, "We don't want him to find out whatever it was, some secret thing." Yes, a secret thing. Another thing to keep you hooked, as if eight things aren't keeping you hooked already. Yeah, because if he finds out about this secret thing, then he's not going to help us, and we need him to help us. Because if he doesn't help us, then not only are we boned, but you're also going back in prison. Yeah, yeah, you're going back to jail. And it adds a bit of jeopardy to River Song's essentially fixed timeline for however many times she reappears. Right, so question for you. I mean, the Doctor just, he jumped around 12 millennia. (laughs) Uh, She was steering the TARDIS through time and space. Yep. Well, at least through space. Yep, yep, yep. Actually, no, through time and space, because the thing has crashed, the ship has already crashed. Presumably it didn't crash... Sec- oh no, it probably did crash seconds before they arrived because it's still smoldering. And it was in warp drive. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. Okay, fine. But she is in a time machine and she is maneuvering it very well. Why not just go in the opposite direction? Problem solved. No more jail time for you. Well, because she's already had the jail time. What so do you mean she's already had the jail time. The jail time is in her personal past. I got the impression that the bishop took her out of jail. Like it, it's like a catch me if you can situation. So the bishop is Tom Hanks and River Song is uh, DiCaprio. And so Bishop Hanks goes, hey, River DiCaprio, you're really good at crime shit. We need you to commit some crimes for us so that we can save the universe. You think a bishop would do? I suppose bishops are all about the greater good. Hmm. I think so. I mean, he, he basically goes, do whatever you have to do to summon the doctor because we need the doctor to kill the angel and we need the angel dead to save the universe. So They don't know it's an angel, do they, right from the beginning? They a hundred million percent know that it's an angel. Oh, okay. They show up and they're like, hey, so what is this thing? What does it look like? Oh, it looks like an angel. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they didn't know that it was an angel, then... Oh. 
See, uh, that's another thing. If they didn't know that it was an angel, why not make some sort of reference in just in the writing? Why not make a reference to wait? Hang on, this is the church going after an angel. Why are we not like cracking wise about this? Yeah, but if they did know it was an angel, why aren't they better prepared? And why don't they know whether they can kill it or not? Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, exactly. Why are they using guns and not something from scripture? <laughs> yes, that could work. Maybe there's something, is, you'll know this better than, than I do, maybe there's some passage that says something about how to defeat an angel or how an angel was once defeated. All right, cool. Uh, let's turn that passage, in like fast forward to the 51st century, turn that passage to a, a bullet-pointed list, instructions, this is how you kill an angel. We happen to be faced with one now. Let's try that. Yeah, I mean, you've got lots of things that point towards that. You've got the angel saying, come and see. Yeah. Which is from Revelation. Bing -a -bing -a -bing. So the angel is clearly au fait with scripture. Oh, yeah. You've got <laughs> the precedent of the Shakespeare Code, which is a bit hokey, but, you know, words can have power in that way. And you've also got the book, the book on the angels, which the Dr. Johnny Five reads in, like, five seconds. Yeah. And <laughs> Johnny Five reads, yeah, excellent, excellent reference. And, <laughs> yeah, it could very easily be in there. So, yeah, why aren't you writing yeah. this episode? Wait, hang on, what Stephen else? Stephen Ponkin. Was there anything of use in that book, by the way, about the angels? Whose book was that, by the way? It was some mad two-headed mystic or something. Oh, so it was an Aplan chap. Yes. Some Aplan chap wrote about angels. Yeah, and there was a useful thing in that they said about the image of an angel becomes an angel. Yeah. That was the only piece of advice in the entire book. And also, by the time he had read that book, we already knew that the image of an angel was an angel. Oh, we also find, find out, don't look into their eyes. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's great as it's going by in real time. Oh, it is. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we, we made a reference to aliens before. This is from Trivia, from IMD Trivia. Stephen Moffat used aliens as a basis for an action-oriented sequel to Blink. Hmm. That was the, the actual thing. This is why we get grunts in, uh, in this episode. I mean, yeah, they're clerics, but yeah, I mean, they are grunts. They are, right? They're like yeah. the SEAL Team Space. Space okay. Team 6. Cool. I will look out for further parallels in part two. Nah. I think that might be it, sort of. Oh, really? Nah. Does it does it go all Alien 3 in part two? I mean, Jorah Mormont... No. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, because all of a sudden they shave Amy Pond's head, and now she plays basketball. No, that's Alien 4. And there's some sort of angel dog. Oh, yeah, there's an angel dog, and then a Paul McGann shows up again, and he has an incredibly <laughs> low IQ. Yeah. <laughs> Well, great. I can't wait. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the reference from before came in. So we have the bishop in this one, Jorah Mormont, who's basically the Michael Bean character from, from Aliens. His rank is bishop. The name of uh, the robot, in, or robot, the android in Alien and Aliens yeah. is bishop. Nice. And there's a scene where, uh, what's his name? Paul Reiser's character, anyway, in Aliens. Uh, he's talking about... Michael Bean's character, and it's like, oh, what the shit does he know? He's just a grunt or a jarhead or something like that. No offense. And Michael Bean goes, I think he says, none taken. Mm -hmm. uh, and in this one, he tells the, the, the other bishop, you know, no offense. And he goes, quite a lot of offense taken, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Aliens. Aliens. I think Stephen Moffat watched it. Mm. He probably did watch it right before this. Yeah. Then like really jacked it and then wrote this. 
spectacular <laughs> double feature. No, no, he he jacked it as he was writing this because I don't think anything gets him off more than his own scripts. Like Marquis de Sade, always writing with a dildo in his hands. Yeah. Oh, what a dude. <laughs> <laughs> You got any more trivia while you're at it? Oh, that's a fantastic question. Uh, I do. (laughs) Let's start off with something simple. This is something I did not notice myself. Uh, Reading directly from IDB Trivia, the key on the top row of the TARDIS keyboard panel, visible briefly in a close-up, is red and labelled panic. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say acorn. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, I just hit the acorn button and... (laughs) Straight to the coordinates, but panic. Panic. Quite like that, yeah. Um, Might be a reference to Douglas Adams' Don't Panic, might be, yeah. Anyway, all right, so here's the the sweet bit of trivia, though. We we very briefly discussed this before pressing record, ladies and gents. So, uh, name of the spaceship is... Byzantium. Bajing, Bajing. We have heard a reference to the crash of the Byzantium in Doctor Who and on Who Back When before. Namely, uh, when she encounters the Tenth Doctor. When River encounters the yeah, Tenth when, Doctor. W- sorry, yeah, when River encounters the Tenth Doctor, she goes, hey, you remember the crash of the Byzantium? But... And he goes, Doi. Yeah. <laughs> but he wouldn't have remembered because he hadn't turned into Matt Smith yet. Later on, in the Husbands of River song, I don't really remember this, though I should, because we've even gone through this on Who Back When... Uh, but later on in the rivers, uh, the, the rivers of husband song, the husbands of river song, <laughs> uh, she has like uh, here are all the the faces of the doctor. This is what you've looked at like, and these are the doctors that we've met. And blah blah, everything's in order. She should know the order in which they appear. She should also know the tenant has not been to the crash of the Byzantium. She, as in, she will know that tenant came before Matt Smith, and thus her question to tenant and tenant's answer to her made no sense. Yeah, I suppose. However, regardless, super duper interesting. And the reason that this was popped in in the first place was that this was the first episode to be produced of the season, and um, and and therefore it's, it was the first time that Matt Smith and Amy Pond were acting together. By the way, this was also potentially going to be the final season of Tenant. Maybe uh, Tenant was toying with the idea of doing one more season as the Doctor, and eventually chose not to. And then uh, we got Smith. But had this been Tenant, that would have been a perfectly plausible question-answer statement, yada yada. Mm. That raises all sorts of questions. What would this like, have been like with well, like, Tenant? Like, or? Well, at what point in the specials... Did he go, oh... Yeah, was it having to kiss Lady Christina Suzy the shite. face? This is utter shite. No, I bet he enjoyed that, but the... I don't uh, think he did. He looked like he was visibly wincing. Oh, actually, yeah, he did, didn't he? He was like, like oh, God, I and my character have both sold out at the same time. Yeah, here I am in Africa. I'm supposed to be having the holiday of my life. <laughs> and instead I'm getting mouth raped in the front of a bus. Yeah. I mean, goodness sake. By a potential could... spin-off character. Yeah, could yeah. my career sink any lower? <laughs> <laughs> Jumping the shark and hitting rock bottom at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... Goodness. So the end of time parts one and two would have been completely different. That would have been yeah. shunted back to the end of this series, maybe? Or possibly would... Well, I mean, we, okay, so we wouldn't have had the... Yeah, it would have been a one-parter rather than a two-parter. And he wouldn't have regenerated. Instead, it would have there would have been a, a deus ex machina at the end of it that would have just sort of reset everything. That was if it was still in its original sequence. Exactly. See, I reckon maybe this could have been the... Uh, christmas special 
that the end of time Ooh. ended up being. And then it would have been, they, they could have, you know, they're, they're angels, they're scripture. That's a fair... Walking shit all over Christmas. Brilliant. <laughs> That's a really good idea. Yeah. And well, I don't know. I, yeah, and make it, make it snow on this planet. Problem solved. Yeah. They got all those snow special effects left over from... Yeah the Ud planet and stuff. ka It's just interesting to think how it might have gone. Have we had an angel, uh, a weeping angel Christmas uh, episode? No. Why not? That seems like such a no-brainer. Maybe it'll come back this Christmas, like the No Times Land that they're sort of stuck in with Mark Gatiss. Maybe that's where the angels throw people, but they don't just throw them back into the past. Oh, maybe. Like something else into the angels, where they have this special... Like a limbo, a temporal limbo. Yeah, because they've sucked that much energy out of people or something. Oh. that You know, they literally fall out of time. Oh, that's that, that would really blow. <laughs> really blow? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would really suck. Oh. I mean, to be one of, to be stuck in that oh, limbo. Oh, I thought he's like, dude, this episode is awful. No, 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 no. You're it's this a great close idea. from being cut from the podcast. No, no. Fantastic idea. <laughs> terrible fate is what I'm trying to say. Right. Great. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I was not being clear at all there. So Tennant could have gone around with Amy Pond for a year as well. I know. I know. Do you, th- oh, I mean, would anyone, have, would he have done the specials in between his penultimate and, and final season? Would we have had Waters of Mars? Would he have had all those things? Or what I'm get, what I guess I'm getting at is if he had committed to one more year, would they just have gone ahead and done one more season? Maybe what happened was Moffat had this RTD knew about it. They were they were going ahead with it, but then the BBC and Tennant was on board and he was yeah. like, Great, this sounds great and then the BBC came along and said, Sorry guys, we're out of budget and that's when the specials and Tennant jumping ship came in and Moffat just forgot to redraft it in the interim. Maybe. That'd be my hypothesis. Yeah, maybe. Did Moffat write the the episode in which she tells the 10th Doctor, in which she tells Tenants, do you remember the Byzantium? Oh, yeah, because that's Silence in the Library, Forest of the Dead, isn't it? Oh, that's what it is. Oh, of course it is. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Cool, cool. Done. Cool. Got any more to say on Tenant? No. Let's get back to it. Let's do that. <laughs> oh, I do have one more bit of trivia, sorry, before going into other notes. Okay. Just so I can close that document. <laughs> Uh, reading this straight off, I don't know what this show is, but reading this straight off, I need to be trivia as well. During its airing in some parts of England, an animated advert for the talent show Over the Rainbow began playing Over the Cliffhanger. This spot complains to the BBC, who later apologised. So you have this incredibly tense cliffhanger. You've got, you're surrounded by angels, and then a rainbow-themed animated advert shows up overlaid on it, on Doctor Who. Goodness me. That's pretty sad. Just when... Smith is holding forth in his highest register against an army in of approaching his most villains. Penis enlarging soliloquy to date. Yes. Oh my goodness. This is why you should never put me in a trap. This is why you should never ever trap me. This is why you should never entrap a doctor. This is why you should never form some sort of trap-like mechanism in the vicinity or in, indeed around me. Yeah. This is why you should never form a circle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> P.S. It's me I'm talking about when I say I'm talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, it is a bit obvious. Oh. But I Why is holding it. a gun? Oh, really? Did you? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. I mean, With that bomb, 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 bomb. Do you know what, what else? I mean, and maybe they do overuse that excitement music, because I think that happens three times in this episode. Oh, I don't know. When they're not... But playing... that and race, I don't, I don't see or hear either. Okay. <laughs> How very enlightened of you. Thanks. And musically incompetent, yeah. <laughs> they also, I meant to say earlier, they have certain themes 
in this episode. I don't think they coincide with River Song necessarily, but they are a bit Bond-like in their progression. Oh, interesting. I really did get a couple of echoes of the na-na-na-na a few times. Ooh. Yeah. But where I was going with this was that penis-enlarging soliloquy, Yeah, that was spoiled last week. It was in the preview at the end of the Churchill episode. Oh, was it? So basically, they completely spoiled it. Oh. Yeah, you shouldn't do that. And I think if you didn't know exactly where it was going to begin with, and I think it may even actually have been in the preview at the end of the 11th hour as well. Really? Because that previewed the the rest of this series. Oh, yeah, you're right. So actually, we've seen it twice already. And BBC, Mm. just hold your fire! We will enjoy it when it comes along. You're shooting yourself in the foot. But they got to they, they they need to sell these things, and every everything's about splooging ahead of time nowadays. It's like, okay, hang on, allow me to have an old man gripe with society for a second. When did trailers suddenly get teasers? Why are why is there like a ten second teaser to every trailer that you see now? It's so that you can get I don't know on MSN saying, guess what? The teaser has been released. No, but I mean, even now, if you start watching a trailer, the first 10 seconds of the trailer are a teaser for the trailer that you're about to see. Oh, and then see immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Like, fuck you, society. And in a sense, this is what we're viewing here. We're like, oh, well, you have this spectacular season ahead. Let's just Let's screw it all up by saying right away, here are some of the highlights. These are the best pixels of the next six months, you know? Yeah, they did that in a series of Archer as well, didn't they? Archer Vice? Oh, I don't remember. I remember Archer Vice, but I don't remember the... uh, Yeah, where at the end of the first episode in that series, they basically showed a compressed data burst of the entire rest of the series. Really? At the moment, I... At the moment I saw it, I thought, this is the best two minutes of television I've ever seen. <laughs> because it had it hit you so hard with so many things. I thought, if that's Archer's dream sequence, and they put that much care and thought and attention into it, that's amazing. But then they just played it out in super slow motion afterwards. And <laughs> yeah, completely shot the bolt. Oh, it's uh, a little bit like the end of the uh, uh, double feature slash pilot of Star Trek Discovery. Oh, no, we're not going there, are we? Yeah, sorry, let's just bring that up as well, because you watch the two... Have you seen it? Mm-mm. Do you ever intend to? Mm-mm. This isn't a spoiler podcast, Land, don't worry about it, but you watch the two-episode pilot, whatever, of Star Trek Discovery. If you haven't already, then I guess do, but I mean, I don't endorse it. Then at the end of it, you go, wait, that was a pilot? What the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> that was just a two-hour action scene, and then you get this season on Star Trek Discovery, you go, oh, so this wasn't a pilot, you've already shot this, haven't you? And you, you get that data burst of, like, this is the whole season. Oh, no! But you go, that is that looks so much better than the shit I just watched. Right. Yeah, it doesn't really improve that much. But, I mean, yeah, it improves. Actually, yeah, I, I take it back, it does improve. <sighs> we keep scooting away from this episode. Yeah, we are, I'm really let's sorry. Go, let's go back. We haven't talked about the Orville yet. <laughs> What's the Orville? The Orville is that complete and utter rip-off of Star Trek TNG, but with uh, fart and dick jokes, because it's by What's-His-Face, who did Ted and Ted 2. Seth MacFarlane? Yeah, that's All right, fuck the Orville. We're going back to Amy (laughs) Pond. (laughs) Yes, please, 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 please. Because in the first 10 to 15 minutes of this episode, I found Amy Pond really very annoying. Oh, really? Yes, I did. Why? Because she's constantly questioning, like, questioning, like, asking the river, uh, the river, uh, asking River Song for details and asking the doc about the river. No, that comes later. And I think when she starts asking the doc about River, that's the last time in the episode she's annoying. Her and River together. I thought they had a good interplay. Yeah, they gel. They're fine. 
But the first 20 minutes, the Doctor is... And okay, I'm biased because I love to go into a museum and see, like, old undeciphered languages like Linear A or something. And, it, and the Bingo. whole idea of it, the ho- old high Gallifrey, and it just, oh, it thrills me. And Amy's just going, this is boring. I want some planetary porridge. And it's like, oh, come on, Amy. There must be so much in this museum from so many corners of the galaxy, of the universe. She should be fascinated by this. Yeah, show a little curiosity. Theoretically, going to every planet in the universe, in the known universe anyway, in one room. Yeah, she's getting that data burst preview of the entire universe from this museum. This season on your life, check out this room. Yeah, check out this um, bite-sized cosmos. Yeah. For your delectation. (laughs) No. No, I don't like... I can't do the accent. I still can't... I, I, I thought that maybe somehow, osmotically, I'd absorbed it while you'd been, you know, spouting Scottish into the room, but no. And, and while my Scottish accent got worse, you thought that must be transferring through the air to me. To me. <laughs> <laughs> Some Highlander fashion. I'm going to get down on my knees and just scream like, ah, while Scottish <laughs> lightning shoots into my face. Oh, fucking Sean Connery again. <laughs> So what else about Amy? How did you feel about her weird stone thingy? I, I liked that. Yeah? I thought that was good, and the, maybe the doctors didn't need to bite her exactly. He could have just karate chopped her or something. Apparently, he genuinely bit her in many, many takes. Many, many takes? Yeah, it, I mean, they, they did several takes of that shot, right? And, and in, in many of those takes, he honestly, genuinely bit her because he wanted that reaction. See, I could understand her reacting that way once, but how do you react with the surprise? Unless unless he goes, no, really, Amy, this time, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I told you the last time, it was the last time, this time's the last time, I promise it's the last time. Look, he, he's he's not Cartman, <laughs> Trump, or Bruce Forsyth. I was thinking, like, why, why is this sounding like a cartoon Trump? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Matt Smith. And all our listeners. Everyone. Apart from Donald fucking Trump. I was literally just yourself. thinking that, yeah. Fuck you, Donald Trump. Fucking orange cunt, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, uh, to be clear, that was Donald Trump Senior, not Donald, Donald Trump Junior. Even though Donald Trump Junior, you can also go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <laughs> oh, man, that, 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 I'm assuming that we're not going to be taken off the air for saying that. No, it's fine. Yeah, we didn't sign any broadcast contract. Exactly, we're, we're good. Yeah, thank you, Apple, for keeping us in line. <laughs> <laughs> so again, what were we talking about? Oh, Amy Pond. Yeah, Amy Pond. Um, but more specifically, uh, turning into oh, biting, getting bitten. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. So yeah, that, that's <laughs> tangent. It's just bizarre. Um, the bit I didn't like more specifically after the museum scene was Amy just haranguing the doctor. Okay, like a couple of episodes ago, she was in genuine danger of getting dropped, and he brings that yeah, up again right. here. But. And maybe it's Moffat's way of saying, well, Amy's more at ease now. She's more confident. She knows the Doctor won't actually drop her. But does she have to belittle him quite so much? You know, and Yeah, and maybe I, she's too cocky as well. Yeah, I like, I like the teasing, um, but I'm not, I wasn't quite ready for this level or this sort of harshness of it. Yeah, yeah, good point. I, I think I agree with you on that. Yeah. Just wait a couple more episodes when their relationship is really, truly bedded in. Even if the actors are having a great time, we haven't seen them enough to, you know, anchor that in our minds. Yeah. Also, we we don't even have the explanation of, you know what? Off screen between episodes, they've had tons of adventures because she very clearly says in the beginning when they're in the museum, oh, well, we've gone to that place. We went to Starship UK. We went there. And that's it. Yeah. I haven't even been on a planet yet. Yeah, exactly. Put me on a planet. Ugh. 
Ah, well. Whatever. Okay. Uh, how did you feel about her doing the um, uh, George Romero thing of, oh, no, no, I'm fine. Like, I haven't been bitten by a zombie. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not turning into stone. There's no weird, like, dust coming out of my eyeball whenever I rub it. I, I would like to think she's in some sort of denial. She's she's in an unimaginable maze of the dead. Maybe maybe she's just hoping against hope that, I don't know, she brushed up against a cliff and barely realized it and some really, really crumbly sandstone just happened to get mixed in with her fingers Ooh. as she was going for the sleep there. <laughs> maybe. Okay, yeah, maybe. I, I didn't see it as, as too played out. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, it didn't bother me at all. But it is it is one of those tropes you encounter in everything. The last time we encountered it on Doctor Who, I think, was Waters of Mars. Oh, no, no, no. It's totally cool. I'm not turning into a water zombie. Oh, yeah. Is that yeah, the last yeah. time that we saw this? I think that's the, that's the last time we encountered this. Probably. Either way, like, you encounter this a lot. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, what did you think of the beaming effect? Beaming effect? Yeah, you know, when they Star Trek beam down to the planets with, like, little tornado, little sandstorm thingies. Oh, I thought the TARDIS landed on the surface. Oh, but the clerics, the, the, the clerics are like, whooshing, sandstorm. Oh, do you know what? I didn't even, I didn't even spot that. I just like, yep, whatever. I thought it was nice. Let me say that. Nice. Nice. Okay, here's another one. Go for it. River knows a lot more about how to fly the TARDIS than the Doctor does, it seems. Yeah, and I really like the sound. Oh, without the whoom, whoom, whoom. And I like, I like Matt Smith doing the noise really badly. Yeah. But I, I, I love the sound with the... You know, if the TARDIS is humming along, purring through space. I really liked that sound. I was really enjoying listening to it. Oh, that's very interesting. But what were you going to ask? Well, I mean, I, I, I like it as a one-off. I wouldn't want the TARDIS to never make its characteristic sound again. Mm-hmm. But it, I didn't realize... I remembered the anecdotes, but I didn't realize it, it hugging back to this episode of the... You know it's not meant to make that sound, right? Like, that's just a handbrake and you haven't taken it off, you, you know loosen the handbrake yeah yeah i guess i think it's fun i thought it was fun i mean i couldn't remember where i'd heard it or seen it before i knew that i had but i don't mind seeing it again yeah yeah no no, no. i i no, no i don't know why i sounded so hesitant or reluctant before but no no i i, I do like it but i don't want it to be the norm like I, i'm so glad that the doctor doesn't know how to properly land the tardis or, or does but just prefers to yeah. do what he's always done yeah exactly old bastard yeah no we've already been grumpy old men tonight oh <sighs> wonderful get off my lawn (laughs) that's perfect right so i I had a note 51st century again yes we're so often in the 51st century aren't we and often in moffat episodes like that's where he sets them we have been in the 51st century let me tell you a list the doctor dances the girl in the fireplace forest of the dead and silence in the library moff is basically constructing his own little 51st century mini universe wait the doctor dances is in the 51st century captain jack captain jack is from the 51st century yeah but, but, I mean, that's a reference to Oh, that. I see. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just Moffat, 51st century. That's, there's, always, there's a touchstone for him. Yeah. I don't know if you heard this, but it, there's... I, mean, I, I had a brain gasm. Uh, Nick and I were talking about uh, what Sounds we could promising. do with... Um, this was on the last classic that we did. Talking about what, what we could... Like, it, would it be possible to have some sort of timeline... Uh, jokingly, and I just went like, "Yeah, I think I know how to code this. I can do this. I'm gonna put a. I'm gonna sort all of our episodes chronologically according to human timeline oh on goodness. the episode. If and when I've done that, I think you're right. We're gonna have like a lump of episodes 
in the the vague 51st century because we don't know when during the 51st century but like there's just going to be this chunk this cluster of episodes yeah you're going to have to make sure it's not linear as well so that the episodes set in 5 billion and 17 aren't in row zzz <laughs> no column vvv or something yeah. uh, i'll figure it out i'll figure it out okay. i'll design something something neat but yeah you're right so so many of these hmm. very odd so that means the time agents coexist with the military church. Yeah. Interesting. And at the same time, the Madame du Pompadour, the SS Madame du Pompadour, somewhere else in the universe is just pootling along. Oh, that was the 51st century Waiting as well. to be completed, yeah. Okay. Oh, weird. What is up with that? I mean, I get, Steven. It. I get it from the silence in the library, because, you know, River must... You know, she must have a sort of a home time, generally, that she bosses. Is she from the 51st century? Well, I don't know, but she's clearly, you know, at home in that milieu. Well, so maybe that's it, then. Well, for her, too, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, you're right. That sort of covers half of the occurrences of the 51st century with Moffat. Yeah. Drive burn radiation. I just saw it in my notes. Was it that's drive what it is. It wasn't warp burn. Warp drive, whatever. Yeah, just drive burn. Drive burn. Yep. Dinner to an angel. Oh, yeah. Because why? Because well, why wouldn't you eat radiation when you're made out of stone and you can just rip people's heads off and turn them into whatever? I suppose if you're just stealing people's temporal quantum energy, does the warp factor of compressing time and space, does that somehow match up as angel food? I mean, on a quantum physical level, I think what you said just now makes perfect sense. Oh, but then you, again, you. if you do consider the... I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, hmm. Wait, so, uh, all right. So what happened to all the angels? They are stuck on this planet. Because they ate all the Aplans. They ate the Aplans. Because, because their power of any image of an angel being an angel, like you said earlier, they just win instantly. That's what happened with the Aplans. They did. Okay, and then they ran out of food, and slowly but surely they started to erode as statues are wont to do. I also loved that, that the erosion of the statues was... Oh, made them look so creepy. Yeah, and, and tied that in with them starving and yeah. losing energy. That was really good. It was. Yeah, I agree. That, that was very cool. I, I see what you're saying, though. The whole, well, I guess we can replenish with radiation, that makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, not much sense. I mean, if, if, if the angel stole... A colony ship, like in Wally or something. Spoilers for Wally. Yeah, and I haven't and, seen it by the way. Oh, the weeping angel in that's fucking terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then then you wouldn't have the radiation thing, uh, and the radiation isn't referenced. I mean, the, the doctor just shot the gun up at the ship. Is that radiation splooging out in the final seconds? Are they not going to tell you? I mean, if it was just colonists and these fat piggy humans were just tumbling down and <laughs> a la up not up a la Wall-E <laughs> then I, I could get that and then you wouldn't have this yeah this extra element just shoehorned in Hmm. 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 And then all the piggy humans would just basically fall into a huge pile, which our intrepid heroes would clamber up to get into the Byzantium. Yeah, yeah. Story checks out, yeah. Okay, yeah, it works out. You should see Wally, mate. It's great. Oh, you, I really should, I know. Also, it's been like eight years. Get on with it. Yeah. Well, someone keeps spoiling the ending for me. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we jump into Listener Miniland? No. Oh, sorry. Shall we jump into Ratings Land? No. Okay, you've got some more stuff. I do have a couple more notes. All right, let's hear them. I loved the scene with Amy and the monitor. 
Ooh, I, yes. We haven't talked about that at all. Yeah, that was really good. And the number of steps that the angel went through, I, I thought that was great. You know, it, it turns to the side, it holds out its hands, it's a bit closer. Now it's doing a headshot and all of a sudden it's, it's outside of the TV and, and all jittery. That I didn't like as much. I liked oh, really? the slow build-up. Once, once it got properly Ringu, then... It, and it, it doesn't get properly Ringu, though, because it's not like it's crawling out... Like, it's not manifest. It's not crawling out of the TV. No, but it, it is the actual image of the angel on the TV, which is why it's all static. Yes, but it is, be- it is between the viewer and the TV. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. And and it was flickering, so it's, I guess it seems somehow less substantial. I thought that looked so cool. Yeah. Well, it, it was it was cool, don't get me wrong. But what, what? I didn't like, I loved all those all the different visual steps. But yeah. What I didn't like was every single time Amy blinked and looked back up, you got the exact same ah! <laughs> 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 Have you not understood how this works, Amy? <laughs> Do you remember two scenes ago when River explained it to you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and that thing you did Five seconds ago. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe just tug with your hands while staring at the... Well, this is getting erotic, but staring up at the angel's face. <laughs> what would the angel have been able to do as a, a non-manifest creature if it had reached Amy, it had touched Amy... What would, it have, what would it have done? Would it have just sent her back in time and then used that little bit of energy to replenish itself? Yeah, and thus become fully corporeal. I imagine that. And would happened. it then have turned into a different angel than the one that was being filmed? Possibly a duplicate. Okay. So, full circle. That way we're back to, you know, you just all you need is a Polaroid camera and you can take over the world. Yeah. Okay. All right, here we go. One last note. Okay. Which was... For about 10 minutes in this episode, I thought that they'd committed a continuity error or just blundered. When the doctors first said that the architect had two heads... Oh my goodness! I shit you not, this is in my notes. Go for it. No, 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 you do it, you do it, you do it, you do it. And then please look at my notes while my hands are far away from my computer. Okay, he's not typing (laughs) podcast land. I'm not going to lie to you, you can trust me. (laughs) I, I, I honestly thought that the architect... Like the mad guy who wrote the, the book on angel the angels, book, yeah. the angel catalogue. I thought that they were like, I don't know, mutants, sideshows to the real one-headed Aplan race. Oh, interesting. Which had produced all the statues. And I thought that the production team had just fucked up royally later on when it turned out that actually they all had two heads. I thought, this isn't matching up. But instead of putting two and two together, I was smug enough in my you know, imagined, perceived cleverness and outrage at their foolishness that I I didn't get the reveal. Oh, interesting. And so when the Doctor says, oh, what an idiot I've been. Oh, this is actually what's going on. It, it was really effective. It really worked on me. What was your version? Uh, okay, so I, I also made a note of this. I wrote, thought the one-headed thing was a mistake at first. Nope, Moffat is way cleverer than I was giving him credit for. I also assumed, oh, wait, hang on. You've been talking about how these Aplans have two heads, but every single statue in here of the Aplans has one head. Someone clearly just said, uh, well, we need 50 statues made for this, uh, like eroded, ancient-looking statues made for this episode. Please manufacture them by this and this date. And then 
didn't write make them two headed, please. <laughs> yeah. And hope we wouldn't see. Moffat, you fool. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is it. That and is Moffat it. just goes like, oh, we'll use them anyway. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, no one will notice. Our viewers are idiots. <laughs> anyway, the point was, was that is exactly what happened when we went to see Blade Runner last yes. Sunday. Yes. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No spoilers. No spoilers. Blade Runner is uh, a very new film, 2049, that is. Yeah. Yeah. But basically, I thought that they had taken the story in a direction that logically wasn't necessarily supported, and then it folded back on itself and twisted. And so yeah. I thought I was cleverer than the filmmakers. No, I was not. They were cleverer than me the whole time, <laughs> as Moffat was in this instance. So bravo, all of you. All of you, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also go and see Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, we, we'd give it... Hmm, what would we give it? I'd give it maybe five stars mark commode gave it five stars it's uh, i i'd give it somewhere but it, it's somewhere between 4.8 and 5 for me i'm not gonna say 4.9 somewhere in that range i haven't quite landed yet from the experience yeah oh it's great oh it's really good i look forward to having three hours of my life to invest in watching a film at some point in the next six months again and then then i'll probably rewatch it <laughs> yeah Ratings? Let's. And now it is time to rate this. Did we love or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 Ratings. My rating is Moffat's back on form here for all our quibbles. This episode starts fantastically. It ends on a really great cliffhanger. Emotional, tense, scary, seemingly hopeless, capped by an amazing soliloquy. This whole episode is full of really meaty, moffaty, whip-smart dialogue delivered at 100 miles an hour. It's maybe not as good as Blink... I like most of the new directions the angels are taken in, though. River is back, her mystery's only deepening, Amy annoyed me at first, but I do appreciate very much this being an entirely different dynamic from the torrents of jealousy with which Rose nearly drowned the entire show. <laughs> so I'm going to give it a 4.4. Okay. Going higher than that. Ooh. I want to say two things, first of all, before I go into my rating. This is part one of the double feature or rather, this is the episode, that I thought Blink was when I was about to rewatch Blink for our review of Blink. And my only recollection of it, alongside the erroneous recollection of it being called Blink, at the time was, holy smokes, I really loved this episode. Ooh. This was a really good episode. And you know what? Still do. Really, really love this episode. Uh, I gave Blink 4.7. Okay. And Blink, uh, in its favor, sorry, this is not going to be a Blink review, but Blink, uh, in its favor, are brevity, and as in it's a self-contained one-episode thing, and also the fact that it stands out as a non-doctory episode. This has neither one of those. This is a double feature, and it's very Doctor-heavy. But where it makes up for those things are fantastic sci-fi concepts, fantastic, even though I don't think it's going to hold up, I love the idea of the image of the angel, yada, yada, yada. I love the Amy and Angel scene. I love Amy and River. They work better on screen, I think, than Rose and Sarah Jane did, for example. Yep. Much, much better. I mean, they're sort of more fleshed out characters. <sighs> I mean, overall, what a creepy ass episode. Mm. It's so scary. It's, it's scarier than Blink, I think. Therefore, I can't quite give it the originality of Blink. So I'm going slightly lower. I'm giving this a 4.6. Nice. Mm. You know, there was one thing that I missed. What's that? Which is another callback from Moffat. Oh! You got Bob, the reanimated consciousness. He is like the data ghosts in the spacesuits. Oh, bingo. From Forest of the Dead. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. yeah. That's it. High five. On that note, listen to minis. Listen to minis. 
So have we got any listener minis then? Uh, why, yes, we do, Drew Hammer. <laughs> Who's the first one from? This one comes from Tracy Fountain. Nice. Let's read it out. Hello, Tracy. Tracy has sent in a, uh, in addition to her mini, I just want to say this, uh, because Tracy's done this once before, and I think even in a more elaborate fashion, but she's she's prefaced this mini with a paragraph that is potentially spoilerific. Uh, because it's a very detailed chronology of the River Song timeline. It is spoiltacular. Yeah, so we're going to skip that first paragraph, but if you are keen to read more about that, then uh, head over to whobackwhen.com and uh, go ahead. So, starting with the second paragraph, Tracy says, Getting straight to the action, we see the enigmatic River Song leaving the Doctor a message from the past. Last time it was on psychic paper, this time she leaves it on an old box. In old Gallifreyan, no less. When did she have the time to learn that? Also, may I point out that it's really good nothing happened to, uh, to cause the home box to malfunction or she'd really be in trouble? Tracy continues, Oh, wow, is the Doctor unnerved by River? and Amy's enjoying his discomfort a bit too much. Their scenes together, particularly the ones where River has the dock at disadvantage, are among my favourites in all new Who. Alex Kingston absolutely dominates here. In fact, all three, Gill and Smith Kingston, are working so well together. GSK. The character work is so impactful, you hardly have time to notice that these angels eat radiation and kill outright versus sending you back in time. Oh, but we did notice, Tracy. Yes, we did. Uh, Tracy goes on, and this one is so scary. I am terrified. One might even say petrified. <laughs> Similar to what we saw in the 11th hour, Amy is personally in danger here, and we feel the, her fear. <laughs> <laughs> this must be especially difficult for River. Being from the future, she already knows Amy well. Losing her would be unthinkable for more than one reason. Tracy concludes, This is an outstanding episode which I must rate very highly. And she rates it, rating, the first hill of a roller coaster. Makes perfect sense mathematically. Uh, you can follow Tracy on Twitter. She is at Bjekartenjatnuf. That's Falcon Tracy backwards. Okay, we have a lot of listener minis to get to. Who's next? Yeah, uh, thank you very much, Tracy. Next one is Michael Ridgway. Ridgway! R- Ridgway! Ridgway. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, we sorry. No, I, ruined, I, I totally ruined it. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, hello, Michael. Michael goes, Aliens, Terminator 2, Empire Strikes Back, Mad Max 2, Ghoulies 2, and now Blink 2 joins the ranks of sequels that don't suck. Some fourth Doctor serials were influenced by Hammer horror films. Nice to see a New Who episode influenced by freaky Japanese horror. The angel coming out of the screen is friggin' terrifying. Michael continues, Whilst arguably the scariest villain in Who history, the Doctor's assessment of the angel as the deadliest, most powerful, most malevolent life form evolution has ever produced is a bit far, considering all the other badass villains the Doctor has encountered. Didn't Davros and then the Time Lords try to end life, the universe, and everything? <laughs> Are the angels more malevolent than a man made of sweets who kills people for being unhappy? The marvellous seventh Doctor would disagree. <laughs> And he's got some questions. He goes, Questions! Are the clerics space crusaders? Why are they woefully underprepared for angel fighting? How will body armor protect against angels? Will their machine guns do any damage? What was meant to be their plan to recover or kill the angel? Uh, why are the grunts so poorly briefed of how dangerous the angel is? Hunting the angel is better than fighting lava snakes. I'll take the lava snakes, please. Is hallucinogenic lipstick the first A-class drug in New Who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lava snakes can't be any worse than those fuckers under Pompeii, surely? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know. Don't say that. I, you know what? I, re- I really want to see lava snakes. Okay, okay. Yeah. Maybe one day. Anyway, Michael concludes, original airing notable for a cartoon Graham Norton wandering across the scene in the final 10 seconds causing fan outrage and complaints to the BBC. Bajing. Michael Leon's already said this. <laughs> 
Michael rates this four out of five scary ass angels. Nice one. <laughs> oh my god, it was Graham Norton as well. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much, Michael. Uh, next up, we have Kyle Rath, the sinister super spy himself. Kyle says. That which holds the image of an angel becomes itself an angel. So now that we are all successfully socketed into the habit of not blinking when the weeping angel's around, they switch it up and hitch a ride in the corners of our eyes. This time we join the Doctor, Amy, and the delightful River Song, Alex Kington, as they rifle through the crashy bits of the Byzantium <laughs> sometime during the 51st century. Kyle continues, joining them on this breakneck chase story through the dark are a platoon of full jackets of meddling monks, led by Bishop Second Class Father Octavian, Ian Glenn, FTW, as the group works their way up through the Aplanish catacombs of the crashed Starliner. More and more weeping angels unbeeblebrocks their way out of the surrounding statues, <laughs> dialing the creep factor up to 11. And damn, that I Am The Doctor music is ca 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 catching <laughs> As always, Kyle continues, Moffat uses dialogue to make some of the tenser moments just bloom, such as when Father Octavian says in response to the Doctor's apology for the loss of the clerics, I know that, sir, and when you've flown away in your little blue box, and I'll explain that to their families. Burn! <laughs> Kyle concludes, a brilliant re-intro for River, and a satisfying pace throughout lends itself to a tantalizing beginning to a great story. Four out of five for Ooh. so many great moments between the Doctor, Amy, and River. The angels being even creepier than before and for leaving us on a proper cliffhanger. Ka-ching. That's two four out of fives. Yeah, it is. I mean, come on, guys. Drill down into the decimal points a bit. <laughs> Fantastic mini, yet again. Uh, you can follow... Yeah, what I meant to say was thank you, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow Kyle online and while you're at it, high-five him and tell him hi from us. He is at Sinister Super Spy, and that is super without any vowels. Thanks, Kyle. Hey, I just had a sneak preview of Michael French's first paragraph. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, do you want to read it out? Uh, oh, my goodness. Okay, so <laughs> next one's from Michael French, and Michael says, If I may have a request, could Churchill read my review? Yes! It would be an honor for such a great man to read my review with such dignity and grace that would otherwise not be there. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I th hang on, I think we have uh, Winnie on uh, speed dial, don't we? Let me just open up Skype, because I've got, I've got Winnie on Skype. <laughs> hello? Hey, Churchy, it's Pumpkin. Hello. Hello. Uh, first off, thank you so much for, <laughs> for picking up my call across time and space. Uh, <laughs> Not at all. Anything for the call. <laughs> Everything good? Did I, did I catch you at a bad time? It is 1943, and I have great confidence we shall defeat the Nazis. <laughs> the tide is turning. Excellent. So, since you're not super-duper busy... No, nope, just the war. <laughs> I've just shot you across an email. <laughs> You've got those in 43, right? Would you mind just reading this thing out loud for me, please? Certainly. It's what I do best. <laughs> All right, take it away, Chessie. Michael French says... I'm not gonna lie, who back when crew? The Weeping Angel episodes aren't some of my favorites, and that includes Blink. But I didn't like this episode as much as I thought I was going to. I did like the part where the Doctor talks about the power of the Gallifreyan language, and what immense power it used to have, only to find out that the message on the box read, Hello, sweetie, as well. As the idea of the whole, the image of an angel becomes an angel, I thought was a good concept, but I thought the hologram angle kind of looked stupid. But what I really liked was the realization that the statues in the catacombs are not of the native species, but are actually <laughs> weeping angels. 
But as for the things I don't like in this episode, they are really just minor annoyances. For instance, in the 51st century, the military are wearing normal uniforms instead of something from Halo or something of that effect. Hmm. Another thing is that at the start of the episode, why the hell does that one guy have a tuxedo on a cargo ship? But the thing that annoys me the most is the whole Amy is turning to an angel thing. I'm pretty sure that the people who survived from Blink looked into the angel's eyes. I didn't become angels. Yeah, exactly. Good point. <laughs> Michael continues. Overall, it's kind of hard to rate this episode, as it's only one half of our whole story. But I'll try. I give this episode <laughs> two point eight spoilers out of five. <laughs> Thank you so much, Churchy. That was really, really nice of you. I'm assuming you have to get back to the war. Yes. <laughs> bye. <laughs> bye. <Bye-bye. laughs> Might catch you later on. Yeah, we've got to talk about Blade Runner later on. Okay, yeah. Catch you later, Winnie. Ciao, ciao. All right, bye. Boop, boop. <laughs> cool, Michael. You got your wish. <laughs> awesome, Mini. Nice one. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm back from the loot. Did anything happen while I was away? Oh, dude, you have no idea what you just missed. Yeah, we just Skype with Winston Churchill. Winston Ch- Are you serious? Yeah. Fucking hell, that guy is, like, every- avoiding me. Yeah, every single time. <sighs> oh, every single time. All right, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> maybe next time you'll get to meet him. Yeah, maybe when the Pandorica opens or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that all? We that, only had four. Uh, only four. It's nice, isn't it? We used to get by on one. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's good. We love you, Podcast Land. <laughs> yes, very much so. Thanks so much to each and every one of you. Or can I just add as well that we've been receiving a lot of other emails as well. I mean, lots of emails and tweets and messages that are not of a mini review variety. And if I haven't replied to those emails, then I'm really, really sorry. Uh, I'll probably get around to sitting sitting down and, and sending just a super duper quick line to you. But at some point in the near future, we will have another mailbag episode. So if you've written to us and we've not read it out on the uh, the episode, fret not we will uh, most likely include your email in uh, mailbag episode form. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Aside from that, what else do we have in store? Uh, what's what's next on a New Who? On New Who, we have... Part two of this. Which is... Flesh and Stone. Nice! And yeah. on the classic channel, we have the Time Monster. Either the Time Monster, which... We'll see which one uh, gets dropped. It's uh, Friday nights right now. This, that's how cool we are. This is what we do on a Friday night. Uh, yeah, what are you doing on Saturday? <laughs> Painting a TARDIS. <laughs> and recording the Time Monster. And recording the Time Monster, yeah. So depending on which one I get around to actually editing and dropping on Sunday, the next classic will either be the Time Monster or... Check this out, The Three Doctors, which is the 10th anniversary special. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that is, that's the first decade of Doctor Who done. That's amazing. That's that pretty cool. genuinely really cool. Yeah. Um, I'm really pleased with that as well. <laughs> and of course, Classic only ran for 26 years originally, so you're a significant way through. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right? Tune in soon, Podcast Lander. It'll be too late. Yeah. Bajing, bajing. <laughs> as they say in space. You can follow us online. You can. Uh, are you, do you have a, a handle that you go by online? Indeed, and that handle would be at Drew Back When on the Sweetly Blocks. <laughs> <laughs> at Drew Back When on the Tweety Blocks. Yep, the Tweety Blocks. <laughs> You'll find me, I'm very prominent. <laughs> what about you? Aren't you at Ponkin or something like that? I am exactly at Ponkin or something like that. Find me, <laughs> at Ponkin, you know how to spell that. <laughs> it's P O N K N or something like that. Something like that. <laughs> 
thank you again for listening. You've been a wonderful audience. Until the next time, be right and next to each other. Rock on and cha ciao. Toodles. <laughs> Kablamo. Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. Don't have any friends? No problemo. Tell some strangers. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you on Google Plus? Find us on Google Plus. That's plus who back when. And when you do, tell us why you're on Google Plus. Who Back When just got its very own Twitter account, no lie, so give us a follow. You guessed it, that's at Who Back When, all in one word. Check us out on SoundCloud, vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher, and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can leave a comment, submit a review of your own, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. Not only would it make us super chuffed, and it really, really would, but as thanks, we will transmigrate your iTunes nom de plume into the credit list of trailers for fake Doctor Who audiobooks produced by Who Back When. Have a poke around our bonus episodes to make more sense of that. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next classic Who review, new Who review, or <laughs> still funny, audio Who review. Cha ciao. Who Back When. <laughs>